Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Luis Scott, managing partner of Bader Scott. He is heralded as a super lawyer rising star, National Trial Lawyers Association 40 Under 40, the American Institute of Legal Counsel's 10 Best Attorneys for Workers Comp. Luis focuses his legal practice on people who've been injured or disabled in serious accidents. As managing partner of the firm, Luis works on the strategic planning of the firm and guides every aspect of the firm to excel in the overall mission of standing up for the clients, standing by our work, and standing with each other. Luis, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Our pleasure. Let's go back in time a little bit. What inspired you to go to law school in the first place? So part of this was uh, my dad used to tell me I was going to be a comedian or a lawyer. And uh, I always tell people that I, I became both. I, I became a, a comedic lawyer. But really, it's just I wanted to help people. I had an amazing experience with a, with a, a mentor of mine who let me do this amazing internship over the summer. And I just fell in love with the idea of being a lawyer, but really most importantly, the idea of, of owning a law firm. So that's what really motivated more, more than anything was I went to law school to own a law firm. Well, congratulations. Most lawyers don't think that way. Most lawyers think they go to law school to become a lawyer. I love the business owner entrepreneurial aspect that you had from the start. Um, how did you arrive at the specialization of helping folks who would become injured or disabled? So I think what happens with a lot of lawyers is that they start in the practice area that they first work in. And that was my situation. When I was 19 years old, I went to work for a law firm and they did personal injury and workers' compensation. And once you get to know a practice area, assuming you don't absolutely hate it, you end up absolutely loving it. So that was kind of my entry point. And I did try to do a couple of other practice areas, but I was already so ingrained in the injury space that it was really hard to get away from it. What did you, you mentioned that if you don't hate it, you fall in love with it. What did you like about it? I just liked that, that uh, number one, because I was looking at it from a business perspective. I, I like the fact that uh, the clients didn't have to pay up front. So they were giving, getting immediate access to legal representation on day one without having to worry about the payment. Uh, in relation to the payment, we were always being paid by the insurance company. So we never had to be, you know, had to worry about getting paid. And so those two aspects made it easier to create predictability in the firm. And that is something that I, you know, teach other law firm owners too, is try to create predictability in your law firm. That would certainly help from a cash flow standpoint. And we'll get to that later on in the interview. Uh, before starting Bader Scott, you work somewhere else, right? 
I did. I, I worked at another firm for about 15 years. I, I became, I went from the receptionist all the way to the managing partner of that firm in a 15 year period of time. So I always say I'm like the American dream. I mean, if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. And I went to law school while working for that law firm. And so that was kind of my back history. And I did every single uh, position in the firm, receptionist, marketing, legal assistant, paralegal, uh, sales, uh, ultimately an attorney, and then finally that managing partner role. Um, and I'm sure we could talk for quite a bit on the lessons you learned in that journey from the bottom to the top of the ladder. What inspired you to start your own firm? Um, really, it was a misalignment. You know, uh, my partners and I, we were different ages, different stages. And one of the things about having a partnership is that you have to have kind of an aligned vision for the future, an aligned ambition, and an aligned work ethic. And many of the people, uh, you know, many of my partners at the time, they had kids my age, and they also had kids that were graduating college. And so here I was in my early 30s, wanting to blow up this, you know, law firm. And and they were they had kids who were in their 30s. They were not. Just, they were just in a different stage. And so we realized it would be better for us to just kind of, you know, go in different directions. And that's what inspired me to finally take the leap. Something I wanted to do from the beginning, uh, but I just didn't. I guess I didn't have the courage to do it at the time. And um, how? tell us a little bit about the firm start. Did you finance it yourself? Did you save up, you know, your percentage of verdicts that you were able to pull off for the other firm and use that to get started? Uh, where'd the initial seed capital come from? I wish that I would have, I would have had much more foresight into the future and had, you know, seed money and had really prepared, but because the dissolution of my previous partnership happened so suddenly. It was like over a very quick period of time where we came to the decision and made the, the separation. I didn't really have any seed money. And when we when we dissolved the firm, even though that I received a, a lump sum, it took months before I got that money. I actually bootstrapped it. I mean, I went out and I just started meeting people, networking, shaking hands, kissing babies, as they say, meeting doctors, meeting people, you know, joining clubs, BNI, anything I could to get in front of people is how I started. And I, I started with uh, two, three thousand dollars, you know, to my to my name, uh, opened the firm, got a small little location. It was a kind of a, a beat down, worn down little uh, house that was in a commercial district. And I painted it myself. I put Ikea furniture together myself. I, I didn't buy, you know, MacBooks. I bought, you know, the, the cheapest $400 laptop you could find. And uh, away I went. And then finally, after some time, when I got the, uh, the, the, the settlement from our dissolution, I was able to put a little bit more gas to the fire at the time. Awesome. I, I love the bootstrapping your way up mentality. How did you get through the, how did you get folks to know you, like you, trust you? You mentioned getting in front of as many people as you can. Um, when you start a new business, it doesn't, you know, the entity doesn't automatically immediately translate for people. How did you kind of get them known, get yourself known as, no, I'm over here now and you should still trust me and send me your cases? I think one of the biggest things that a person can do in starting growing a business or anything that they're trying to sell is, is to be a likable person. And I had developed a rep reputation of just being a likable person, being a trustworthy person. So when you go into that, you know, the well of needing something like I did, and I met my barber, my banker, my insurance agent, they already knew me as a likable person. And, and, and they were excited for me because I always say when you first start your business off, everyone's excited for you. They're not as excited when your business takes off and, and you separate yourself from them, you know, financially. And they're like, wait a second, you're, you know, you're making too much money now. Now, now we're, now we don't hang out anymore. You're forgetting the little people. But at the, I think at the beginning, everyone's really excited about you. 
uh, starting something new. So I carried that excitement. And in fact, in my first month, uh, I had over 20 clients hire me uh, 30 days into starting my own practice just by doing this, this technique. 20 clients in 30 days is an incredible number um, for anyone, let alone a new, that's a heck of a lot of rain to make, let alone a new business, new practice. Um, now, were those all PI clients as in, again, you don't get paid until you win. So 20 clients results in a liability for you in a future hopeful payday. Is that right? That would be right, but that wasn't that wasn't where the twenty came from, and and you know just going back to the, I only had two thousand dollars to get started, so I unfortunately had to do everything. I mean, I did some family law cases, I did some you know probation revocation hearing, I took some immigration cases, I did an estate planning, like I had to do whatever I had to do. Some of it required me to learn a lot in a very short period of time, but I needed cash in the door. So when you're building like this de deferred ROI business with contingency cases, you need to focus on that immediate ROI as well. And so I had a balance of some cases paying me cash now, and then some cases that were coming in that were personal injury. That makes a lot more sense. Yes. At the beginning, we'll all take whoever can fog a mirror and write a check. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Talk a little bit about how the firm has grown since then, because obviously that was a while ago and you've achieved some amazing results. So I took that firm and it started growing in the first five months. I built a $1 million pipeline uh, because every month I kept signing 20, 25 clients using this, these techniques of, of building and networking. And then I took the seed money that I received from the law firm um, and started injecting a little bit money, more money into, into marketing, but I couldn't invest all of it because it wasn't really a tremendous amount of money. I was putting about five to $7,000 a month into marketing, and that helped kind of trigger uh, some additional leads that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But along the way, I, I was friends with a, with a guy, and uh, we decided to become business partners, and he had a small firm, I had a small firm. We joined our firms together, and today we have uh, almost a 200-employee firm uh, that will generate somewhere around 40 to $50 million in the next 12 months or so. That is absolutely incredible. How, if you were both small when you started, how'd you learn how to manage that kind of growth? I think one of the things that uh, I lacked as a business owner was I didn't have as much vision for the future. I didn't have as much, you know, um, risk-taking in me because, uh, you know, I didn't even want to leave my old firm to start on my own. So I had, I, I had to build that courage mu muscle and he didn't have uh, some of the more technical operational skills. And so that synergy created just a really powerful force. So he led our vision, he led our marketing, he led a lot of the risk-taking and I was on the back end systematizing, organizing, hiring, uh, creating operational systems. And together uh, that's how we, that's how we manage that. But uh, I, I, I have to say, we also hired some really great mentors, which is a, a key component of growing any businesses, figuring out where are the shortcuts and then making sure that you execute on those shortcuts. That makes a lot of sense. What were some of the key takeaways you learned from those mentors back in the early days? I think one of the things is to not focus so much on uh, being excellent at every single thing in the scaling process because things will break down and, and figuring out a way to manage one constraint and fix one constraint at a time. I think a lot of people get bogged down in the details and they want to fix leads and sales and production and product all at the same time. And there's only so much time and energy that you have. And so you have to really focus on one thing, make it excellent, then move on to the next thing, make it excellent. And by the time you're done making everything excellent, the first thing that you worked on is now terrible again. So you got to start over. And so that was the biggest lesson is one constraint at a time. One constraint at a time. That's a great writer downer, folks, for those of you watching or listening. Uh, you mentioned the staff will be to almost 200 um, by the end of this year. 
are they all in the same office or those in multiple locations? Talk a little bit about the distribution. So the, the majority of them are in a single office in our headquarters, uh, probably 75% uh, of them, but we do have five offices and most of the offices are manned uh, or womaned by three to 10 people, depending on what location it is. And so we do have some spread out uh, throughout the state of Georgia. And one day we hope to be outside of the state of Georgia. I'm, I'm sure you will get there. How do you manage a team in multiple locations juggling what must be, I'm sure, thousands of cases? I think the, the biggest thing to any business growing and scaling is having great leaders and having great talent. Uh, one of the focuses that I really uh, wanted to put kind of like my stamp on was this leadership idea. And so the first thing I did was try to find leaders in the organization. And then second to that was develop new leaders. And so we have a really great team of leaders. We have about 30 leaders who run our organization, who are leveraged employees, who don't require us to tell them what to do. They know what to do. They know what our objectives are. They know what our goals are. And that alone helps us propel the business forward. That is incredible. Um, what's the marketing look like now? Because we can't necessarily tell all 200 people, just be likable. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, we have a, a very robust marketing. I think we'll, we're approaching eight figures in marketing spend for the year. And our marketing is TV, radio, billboards, uh, pay-per-click, LSA, SEO, all kinds of lead generation. I mean, newsletters, email campaigns. We, we try to work in everything because as you build your brand, you have to create more and more awareness. That's the only way to really scale your business. So we're spending in every category um, so that we can get create the, the greatest amount of awareness that, that we can in, in the marketplace. With so many marketing initiatives competing with so many other law firms that do what you that are in the same vertical, uh, how do you differentiate yourself? One of the things that I say is that uh, the difference is the organization itself. Uh, everyone, see, two people can have the same vision, can do, can provide the same product, but they're two different people, especially in the service-based industry. Maybe not in the product-based industry. It's harder to differentiate. If you have two knives that look exactly the same, it's very hard to differentiate those two knives outside of, of, of how it works, right? But in, in the service-based business, um, I can have the exact same vision, provide the exact same product, but there's going to be people that are attracted to me and there's going to be people that are attracted to the guy down the street for for reasons that that we can kind of uh, enumerate and some that we can't. And so there's enough business for everyone because there's so much need out in the marketplace. So the difference is you. And I always say that your brand is all the things you tell people about you and then you yourself. And so that's how we that's how we differentiate ourselves. With all the success that you've had, what's your biggest challenge now? Uh, our biggest challenge is continuing to grow at the scale that we've grown in the past. I think that as you get bigger and bigger, more and more people see your success and do things intentionally to try to harm your business. And some of those things include poaching our employees. Uh, we, we have a history of having employees get offered 10, 15, 20, 30% more than the market just to capture somebody from our firm because they know we have such a robust training program. So keeping people incentivized and engaged and, and adequately compensated in, in the midst of other people poaching from our firms is probably the greatest uh, uh, challenge that we're, we're looking to overcome right now. Well, you certainly need some golden handcuffs there. <laughs> well, that's going to be part of it for sure. What, uh, your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? I love, I love feeling like I'm changing people's lives. I, I love feeling that the impact that we're making is uh, like 
the movie The Gladiator says, echoing in eternity. And I think it's impacting families across the straight state. It's, it's Im impacting communities that will eventually impact the world in a, in a big way. What now, given how big you've grown, how much of your time now is spent managing the firm versus how much of your time do you even get to spend practicing law anymore? So I haven't actually represented a client in five years. Uh, most of my time is dedicated to the teams and the leadership of our business. Uh, and I spend a lot of time building relationships, which is what I love to do is walking around, building relationships, having breakfast, having lunch, uh, helping them achieve their goals. And so there's a great satisfaction in seeing one of my leaders uh, strive for a personal and, and financial goal, and then us being the vehicle by which they achieve that. And so that's what gives me a lot of satisfaction today. That is awesome. For our folks watching and listening who want to learn more, where is the best place for us to send them? They can reach me at louisscottjr.com, L-U-I-S-S-C-O-T-T-J-R.com, and all of my links are there, and they can reach me there. All right. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Louis Scott. Louis, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.